Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast that is yet to be named. In this episode, Tim and I have a lengthy discussion about world travel and many other things with a good friend of Tim's, Derek Benson. All right, we're all good. Now we're on the record. So if you admit to any crimes or anything, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might not ever be able to come back to the States. As long as it's not a crime. Well, you were there for all Not a crime so. in Colombia. So they have extradition in Colombia to the States? Uh, I'm not sure. It wasn't something I was really concerned with. <laughs> nah, don't lie. You looked it up. <laughs> all right. So, so, so what I do know is that uh, the U.S. has a very close relationship with Colombia. Um, and Brazil, um, not so much Venezuela. But uh, yeah, I would assume that if you did something here and they wanted you, there would be no issue in getting you back there. Yeah. Well, so for anybody that's uh, listening, welcome back to our podcast. And uh, today our guest is Derek Benson. He's a uh, really, really good friend of mine. And I thought it would be an interesting conversation uh, just because Derek's a great conversationalist. And then also just to hear some of his experience in the last year, he's been uh, living abroad and working remotely and he's been in a bunch of different countries all over South America. And I believe his plan is to live in every country in South America that he can get access to. Um, I just thought it'd be an awesome conversation. Just uh, I was thinking about it yesterday of where you were as what was it like 15 months ago or a year ago ish that when you were uh, crashing at my house for a little bit before you went down there? Yeah. When was the first time that you went into Columbia? What month was that? The first time I entered was, it's actually longer than that. Time flies. Um, So the first time I went was the end of 2021. Um, you know, you had you had been telling me about your travels for years, and I was sitting in the shadows, just kind of jealous, um, not even recognizing it. Right, being like, man, this guy's kind of far out, like riding motorcycles, going going here, going there, doing these um, interesting things, coming back with all these photos, and uh, you know, respectfully, uh, you know, I was sitting in Cheshire, Connecticut, at a certain point in my life, and I was just like, man, like, I feel like I'm missing something. And, um, so yeah, I, uh, um, I ended up leaving Cheshire and went down to Miami and then, then coincidentally, there was a guy at, at the Airbnb that, um, just came back from Columbia and, um, he kind of pushed me as well. I remember calling you when I was down there and came down for a month. I remember my mom was like, you're going where you're doing what? Like, yeah. So I came down this, I think it was like. It was October of 2021. Yeah. You know what I was thinking is uh, just just people's perspective, right? Because had you traveled outside of the United States much before that? I, uh, much is a relative thing compared to you, my friend. But but the short answer is no. <laughs> no, I, I had done the whole, you know, Mexico, Canada, that type of stuff. But never uh, in a, an extended period of time. Yeah, well, so that that was the, one of the things I was thinking about yesterday's, because in all the years of me traveling and going to Asia and South America and wherever, 
people are always, it's the same thing as what your, your mom said. You're going, what? You're going to Colombia? You're going to get kidnapped. Aren't you afraid of the cartel? You know, and it's just constantly people's perspective of traveling abroad and going to these different places and needing to have it completely planned out. And what are you doing? Where are you staying? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll just figure it out when I get there. Or I've got my first night booked and then I'll, I'll take it from there. Uh, and just that mindset of fear that people have of traveling of leaving the country of you know going to a new place and you know kind of the anxiety that comes with that and then watching someone step through that that's one of the things that i love to do is take people and encourage people to travel to new places and go check these spots out and then watch after that like just you know help people get their feet wet and then as soon as they do then next thing you know they're traveling all over the world and they're like oh wait I can go anywhere, do anything. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, if I could comment on that, I think that, um, I think it, it could be a little overwhelming initially. Um, you know, there are a lot of things. I can remember my first flight uh, into Medellin, got in at like 1130 at night. Um, you know, respectfully, I'm a gringo. Um, so, you know, I pop out and, and clearly everyone wants, you know, they're thinking dollars or get this gringo to, to Medellin and no clue where I was, you know, I'm riding through like a two mile tunnel and I'm like, oh my God, where, you know, and I just come over the mountain, just see the lights that just like cover the city in the valley. And I'm just like, wow, this is beautiful. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if, if I was to make any suggestions to people, I'd say, you know, the first thing is understand that you're not going to find the perfect place. Like you're not going to find the perfect location. You're, you know, just give up on that. Find an area that you know is relatively safe, that you have access to transportation. Um, another thing I'd say is, is find out, like know the monetary system. Like that's one thing that I've really uh, paid more attention to is, is how are the exchange rates in the country? How does, how do credit cards work there? Um, you know, what uh, are there international fees associated with Ubers? Like in Peru, you know, there's cars that will just honk their horn and flash their lights and they're technically taxis. And I'm like, like, wait, like what, what's going on? And then it, technically in Medellin, Uber's illegal. So you have to ride in the front seat. And, you know, there's like a lot of these things where, you know, you, you might come or go somewhere for the first time. And like what's going on, you know, and it, it could be stressful. So. I get it. At this point, you know, I, I feel like I've lost my my extended travel virginity, if I could, you know, kind of phrase it like that. And, um, you know, I'm really, really down for anything. Um, and, and you know, it's it's uh, it is important to, to know the area before you go, like, um, you know, talk to people. You know, you know, one area that I found really tricky was uh, Rio. You be in a really safe area. Like I'm in the area of like Levlon, Copacabana, um, Ipanema, like, you know, the southern part of Rio, which is all really nice, developed, beautiful beaches. And the people there say, like, do not uh, walk at night. And I'm like, well, why not? Well, the people from the favelas right there will come down and they won't hurt you. They just they'll take your phone if you have it out. You know, so it's just like common thing. Like, oh, I'm just going to get an Uber to go to the restaurant. Um, yeah. Other than that. I haven't personally, I haven't experienced anything in five countries, um, all hours where, where there's like violence or, or anything you should be fearful of. Um, so 
Yeah, no stress on my end. So when did you get back? Did you get back into Medellin this week? Yeah, so I got back to Medellin on Friday. Yeah, we were um, we were in a place called Vitoria, um, Villa Bella, which is the state of Espírito Santo in Brazil, um, which is north of Rio. Absolutely beautiful. Um, the thing that I really like about that area is you are, you know, right, right near the mountains and then right near the ocean. Um, I, I ideally like to find that balance because I love Medellin. Um, I love the mountains. I love, you know, eternal spring. It's, it's great. Um, but I'm an ocean guy, man. I, I need some waves. I need, I need some sun. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that, uh, as I travel north up to Natal, Fortaleza, um, Maciao, those areas in northern Brazil, maybe maybe they have a, a similar vibe. So um, back in Medellin now, yeah. That's awesome. Where was it that you just were? Because you just put up, uh, there was a video of some hotel that you were at. Was that in Medellin? So no, that was actually in Buenos Aires. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a little delayed on my my Instagram game. It's not it's not my number one priority. But I you know yeah, I, I have like over twenty thousand photos on my phone. Um, you know I'm that annoying guy that's taking photos of, of just random things. Um, so yeah, we were um, I was in Buenos Aires. I really I really enjoyed Buenos Aires. Um, you know the thing that's that's Again, if you're traveling and going there for your first time, that's really stressful is the monetary system. So uh, for me, I was just told to bring dollars because you have your blue market and your black market. And um, you have basically your government rates that you're going to get. And then you have like this underground economy in which you bring physical dollars and they have an exchange rate that changes daily. Now, the thing that that was uh, interesting about that situation was it was a hundred, like, for instance, it was 180 Argentinian pesos per dollar. Now, if you went to the black market, which are like these little stores, um, you could get 370 Argentinian pesos per dollar. So that's over two to one for a physical dollar. Um, and it, again, it's stressful because, you know, you're carrying around all this money in your pocket and I'm just, I'm used to like Apple pay or my, you know, the technology just wasn't there. Um, but yeah, we were, we were in uh, Buenos Aires, that hotel, which is actually a really cool spot um, is in Puerto Madero, which is more of the developed area in, in Buenos Aires. It's newer. A lot of nice restaurants. You pay the you pay the the travel premium, but uh, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful there. One of the, uh, on the posted pictures and stuff later, I have thousands and thousands of amazing photos from all over the world. But it always feels weird to like six months later be like posting pictures from like trips because <laughs> the people are like, "What? You're back there? What do you do?" You know, or even like with my clients and stuff, they'll be like, "Oh, I wasn't sure if you were in the country," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I just." <laughs> <laughs> I have all these amazing pictures that I, that I'll post till later. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm that guy right now. 
I'm going to catch up though. I'm going to catch up. It's just, you're going to have like a week where I make a post every day. <laughs> yeah. What's been your experience with, uh, like working, uh, while you're traveling and like finding discipline and, and being able to like continue. I mean, you could tell people what you do for work if you want, or, uh, yeah, and just kind of, work. um, that's, that's actually a really good question. And that's something that uh, I've only come to understand through kind of walking through that door, if I can say that. Um, you know, I do recruiting and consulting work. I focus particularly on construction, development, um, engineering, um, and facilitating like candidates for them um, or certain projects and like redesigning org charts for certain construction projects and stuff like that. So it's all, it's all focused um, around the people at companies. And um, so the experience that I've had with work um, is really, is, is really no different than if I was in the U S um, the only difference that, that I've experienced is, is uh, my phone bill, to be honest. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I've gotten a couple, you know, thousand dollar phone bills. I'm like, you know, my heart just dropped. Like, what? You know, and, uh, <laughs> how is this possible? Uh, you know, 25 cents in a minute, uh, you know, it can, it can catch up and it can. Uh, <laughs> um, but I will say, uh, shout out to T-Mobile Magenta Max plan. Um, they've been, they've been really great at, uh, at accommodating me during my travels. Um, you know, from a workflow standpoint, uh, once I figured out the whole Wi-Fi connection, the time difference, and, and get that down, that usually takes like a week, right? At this point, it takes me a week, get into the flow, understand the hours, uh, know exactly when I'm going to be connected. Uh, because, you, you know, I'm trying to figure out life, where I'm going to get food, like where I'm going to go to the gym, like, all those things are coming at you real fast and as much due diligence as you do, you know, the, the gym online might be closed if you're in Victoria, Brasilia, you know, it's like a year, a year ago, you know, uh, they didn't open since COVID. Um, so, you know, finding that balance with work um, will come really after like a week or two, but uh, everything is streamlined. You know, I, I have internet, I have laptop, I have my phone, I have work. What, uh, I know we've talked about it before, but I know when I travel, one of the things that I love is getting into the new culture and meeting new people. But there is something to be said about anywhere you move, right? So when you move, when I move, you know, you change, you move to a new town or you end up in a, like a new group of friends or something, it's not you don't have uh, relationships with friends uh, like 10 year long relationship. Like, you know, it takes 10 years to have a 10 year long relationship with somebody. It takes, it takes some time to like get into a crew of people and to build friendships. And, you know, so when I've traveled, it's, it's fun meeting people and having a new experience with somebody like, you know, you're going to some waterfall or, you're out to a restaurant and you and have a new conversation. I know you love having conversations and meeting new people and stuff, but like about 
what's your experience like getting into like a group of friends or like into the culture, like into the community, into the places that you've, you've been spending some time? Yeah, that's, that's actually something that, um, is, it's a challenge, um, for me in particular. Um, I, I tend to be, very open and communicative and like, like I'm an energetic guy. Like I love the vibrations and the energy of people and, and, you know, I get, get excited. And, um, you know, I've also realized that, um, to build nutritious relationships, um, it takes time, like, like you pointed out. So, um, you know, getting involved with the community, um, that's, that's something that, that I tend to ask people relatively early in, in our friendship or in meeting, like, what do they do? Um, you know, if they don't really have like a mental, physical, spiritual equation, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not I'm prejudiced against anyone that doesn't, doesn't have something like that. Right. But like, if they don't have something that they do within the community or something that. Uh, they do athletically or, or something that they do uh, spiritually or, or something that really interests me about them. I, I, I don't really uh, gravitate toward that person. Um, you know, we can be friendly, we can be an acquaintance, but like, I'm not going to take my time to hang out with them. Um, just cause uh, it, like I said, it's, it's, I only have so much energy and, and I really look for those nutritious relationships. So for me, it's been pretty easy, for instance, in Medellin to get involved uh, because actually the last day uh, that I was here during my first trip, I met a guy from Connecticut and I, I actually asked a, a woman at a hotel. I was like, hey, where's the Halloween party? And she's like, "Kay," And I was like, Halloween party, you know, and she was she, she was like, I can send you this address and she said this in broken English. I was like, all right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I ran, ran to the store, bought a costume, just showed up this party and uh, didn't know anyone there. And, and uh, this guy uh, greets me at the, at the elevator, goes up, opens into this little penthouse apartment. And this guy greets me and it's crazy costume, rhinestones on his face. And he's like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, hey, what's going on? Where are you from? Ah, from the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Where, where are you from? Well, originally, I, you know, Connecticut. Connecticut. Me too. What do you do for work? Oh, I'm a recruiter. What do you do for work? Oh, I do recruiting and consulting. Like, what? What the hell? All right. So all these things. I'm like, what? What, the, what are the chances of this? Well, we end up talking. He he started a uh, nonprofit up in Santo Domingo that helps children. Um, hey, why don't you show up? I'm down. All right, uh, so I end up in Santo Domingo, Medellin, which you know, at, at you know the Pablo Escobar, Pablo Escobar area was was arguably one of the most dangerous places in the world, and uh, you know I catch myself up there a couple of days later, like playing basketball with children, you know, and um, so you know I'm just a big big advocate if 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 you if you search for something you'll find it if you if you have the mindset that you want to get involved, you'll get involved. Um, so no challenges for me at this point. Um, the one challenge that I will say uh, has has kind of 
made that process of getting involved more difficult is is the language. Portuguese in, in Brazil is, for me, it's really tough. Um, I do a decent job at understanding Spanish and speaking basic Spanish, but, um, you know, in Brazil, it's it's been a challenge. It really has. Do you find when you travel, like, do you end up, like, befriending, like, do you find it easier? you think it's a language barrier that prevents, <clears throat> like, some of the more deep connections with, like, the locals or... <clears throat> Or is it like a cultural thing, you know, like, so you went to a party and you connected with somebody that's from Connecticut, like, and it happens real easy, similar backgrounds and like, just obviously the language and whatever. And, uh, that was Ben, right? No. That, <laughs> so that was Sean. Sean. Okay. Yeah. Sean. Yeah. I met Sean as well. And, uh, but do you think that it's more of like a cultural thing? that you just connect with people like easier that have like a similar like cultural background or if it's like a language barrier that like prevents you from having that same connection. So it's really interesting that you ask this um, because I, you know, I, as my girlfriend would say, I'm the king of search. I, I just, I love Google, man. I love looking up things. I love asking why. Um, so I guess if I had a theory on that, I would say that we as humans have a tendency to compartmentalize things and simplify things. We want to simplify things in our minds and put them into categories. And, and, um, and so, you know, you're probably like, what the hell does that have to do with what I just asked you? I think that, that um, it's, it's the path of least resistance, right? Like if I don't speak your language, and I speak someone else's language, I am naturally going to seek out a friendship that's easier for me to navigate um, just just out of out of out of from a linguistic standpoint. Um, you know, culturally, yeah, there are differences. Um, but one thing in particular for me is is uh, in, in my experience, I should say, is the majority of people, that I've met really can appreciate um, the cultural differences that we have. And the one thing that I find relatively interesting is that the people that I meet, for instance, in Colombia, idealize like the cultures and customs and stuff that, that we might have in the US. And then the on the flip side, I have that for them. And in Colombia and the way that they celebrate Christmas and how there's a holiday every other week and no one knows what the holiday freaking is, but everyone knows it's a holiday. And, and um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just interesting because um, I've tried to uh, I've tried to figure that whole that whole situation out. And, and the conclusion is, is I really just need to get into um, a language school. And that's something that I'm actually um investigating now is is am i going to do uh like a language academy because i i really want to polish uh my spanish and i really want to learn portuguese and um you know it's if i believe it i'll do it if i want to do it i'll do it 
Is the Spanish like? Because I know uh, people say that Spanish and Portuguese are all like close. You can almost understand it. Was Huli having? Was she able to communicate? Does she speak uh, Portuguese? No. So yeah, like my girlfriend Huli, um, or Julie, uh, <laughs> or Julia, or Julia. It's it's so funny because um, you know here she's Huli, Juliana, um, in. In uh, Argentina, it's the same. In Brazil, they were calling her Julie, and you know, and, and she's, it's like it's Julia, <laughs> like you know. Um, and then, especially working now, she's 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 uh, actually started doing some recruiting and consulting work as well, um, just because of the market. And and uh, every, all the gringos are like, "Hi, Juliana." She's she's like, she doesn't know how to respond. Um, so to answer your question, um, with the language, so people say that it's similar, um, and there are certain words that are similar, but the overall like linguistic patterns are just, they're different, right? So like if I'm, if I'm, uh, checking out and they ask me like credit, it's credit, like D's or G's. And, and so it's just like hearing is different. Um, and so there would be things that Huli just couldn't understand, but the Brazilians could understand her. And it's really just seems like a, it's a case by case basis. Like there, there were often times where uh, the person, like let's say we're at, at a restaurant or we're you know, at a department store or something, and we'd be like, Espanol? And they'd be like, no. And we'd be like, Inglés? And we'd be like, yes. And we're like, how the hell, how does how does this work? You know, but yeah, there's, <laughs> there's <laughs> you know, there's 250 plus million people there. So, you know, it's, it's you know, the United States of South America in a weird way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we figured it out with the two of us. But there were a lot of times it was like that that blank stare where, you know, it's the three seconds, <laughs> like 30 minutes. We were like, all right, what the hell is everyone saying here? Well, that's that's another thing too that I find, and it it, it does. I, you just have to kind of go with it, but people are really afraid. They're like, "Well, do you speak Spanish?" I'm like, "Barely." Like, I can order food, and like when I'm there after like a few weeks, it starts to like sink in a little bit more and make some more sense. But everybody always wants to know, like, "Do I need to know the language?" And oh, I don't speak the language, but nowadays with like Google Translate is awesome. Has saved me a bunch of times. Uh but you can kind of mime a bit, you know, and just you could get by with the essentials. And usually someone's around that will speak a little bit of English. And most people say like no English. And then they'll start talking to you a little bit like yeah, they get yeah, some of the yeah. bait. That's, that's you know? true. Yeah. And like, but that's so traveling, true. it's not like you have to know the language. It's like, yeah, it's polite to to try and to know. I mean, I went to yeah. Greece. I spent two weeks in Greece a couple months ago, and I don't even know how to say hello. I, man, Greek was brutal. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm gonna order food. I told one of my friends that afterwards. I'm like, dude, I like when I go to South America, Spanish. It start. It makes a little bit of sense when I hear it and I can understand. But when I would hear people talk Greek, I'm like, what is going? I I couldn't even pronounce like the most basic syllables and words. 
And my friend goes, yeah, that's where the, that's where the saying, it's all Greek to me comes from. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's like a really difficult yeah. language. <laughs> I still was able to make it by. And there were plenty of times where people were like, they not speak any English, but, you know, a lot of times you just kind of pretend. People wouldn't even know, like walk into a store, grab what you want, you put it on the counter and then just hand them money. And then they just hand you some change back. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you know, one thing that I've found about that is um, particularly when I've had friends come down and visit, you know, I've, I've had a few friends come down uh, to Columbia and, you know, we'll go cycling or, you know, we'll, you know, we were here for a month. We were together. And um, I think the key is like, don't stress. Like a lot of times I see, because I'm just so comfortable. Um, I would see like, one of my buddies like trying to like order something or like he needs to communicate. And I'm like, relax. Like there's, there's, we have time. Like if we don't figure this out in the next 15 seconds, we're going to pull out the, the traductor and, you know, we're just going to translate this. So, you know, like, unless if it's an emergency, like don't, don't fret, man. It's going to, it's going to be all right. And, you know, a couple of times he was like, you're being patronizing. And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but you're freaking out about ordering a burrito, dude. And like, she's just asking you if you want hot sauce or not. Like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay, you know? Um, yeah, and and like, let's say you're going to do an activity, right? Like, um, let's say you're, you're going to skydive, right? And you're like, man, it's probably pretty important. I understand the language. Like, like, you know, use use common sense in in some of these situations and scenarios, right? Like, like what to do, what not to do. And, and uh, you'd be surprised. Uh, I think that nonverbal communication is huge. Um, you know, a lot of times when people talk about getting into dangerous scenarios, right? I, I don't, you know, this is a topic I don't really want to get too far into, but, you know, there's not schools getting shot up here. There's not movie theaters in South America where people are walking in. There's not concerts where 100 plus people are getting shot. Like, uh, my, my point in saying that is, is like, Culturally, it's it's very different. Um, we, you know, you have you have time to figure out things like, um, you know, your nonverbal communication is big. Just kind of act like you understand certain things. If not, don't stress and and just uh, relax. Right, use common sense. Um, like uh, if you don't understand what someone's saying and you feel like you're in a dangerous situation, leave. You know, uh, don't don't uh, be skittish, and uh, yeah, common 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 sense will get you a long way in life. You know, well, and confidence, like have like, <laughs> excuse me, some confidence. That's interesting that you say that because I remember um, years ago, probably ten years ago or so, I was in uh, I was heading to Vietnam, and I remember I would tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Vietnam, and like, you know full grown men, like big, barely like tree guys with beards would be like, Vietnam, I would never go there. You're going to get kidnapped and murdered. And, you know, and they just had this whole idea of like going to this place and how dangerous it was going to be and that they would never go. And they've never been out of the United States. And, uh, and then I would, I got there and there's just tourists and backpackers everywhere, you know, and people, and 
it was actually like a rare people would be like, oh, you're from the United States. Well, we don't really see a lot of people from the US, you know, like we see some, but there's way more Europeans. And they're like, how come Americans don't aren't here? I'm like, because they're afraid. I'm like, I know full grown men that would not come here and that would be terrified. And uh, they're like, why? I'm like, I don't know. They think they're going to get kidnapped or something. And they're like, what? We're afraid to come to the United States. Like, you guys are shooting each other all the time. <laughs> like, and that's what, to hear other people's perspective, like people are afraid. Like we're, you'll hear Americans talk about how, oh, you have to be careful going to these places. But like, we go to the rest of the world and they're just like, it's, they think of us as like the wild, wild west. And that there's just like every school you go into, you're getting shot. And like the mall isn't safe or anything. And they're like, why would you be afraid to come here? And like, you never hear about us doing that stuff. It's just such a different, uh, it's so different. It's interesting to hear the, the thought, like what other people think of the United States. They also, yeah. most places when you tell people they idolize, it's like, the idea that the United States, like a lot of it's been portrayed from movies, but like mm -hmm. you, anywhere you go, well, like uh, they idolize it. They're like, Oh my God, New York city. Oh, I one day dream of going to New York. I, I like, I just, Oh, what's it like? And they want to know all about it. And you know, I'm like to, to me, I'm like, yeah, New York city's like an hour and a half away. Like I go there if I have to for something, but man, I'm not like, I try to avoid it like as much as possible. It's like, yeah, cool, whatever, New York. But people like just I have this they idolize the idea of it and like coming to the United States and you know, the other part is you'll learn when you're traveling like the privilege that you kinda have as an American with an American passport. Like I can if I want to just go to Columbia tomorrow, I can just book a flight and jump on a plane. But like most people don't realize that most countries and most people in this world could not just book a flight to the United States. They can't just go to New York because they can afford a plane ticket. doesn't mean that they can jump on the plane and just go. There are some countries that they can, you know, they can come and go as they please, but like a Colombian cannot just like get a flight tomorrow and fly to New York to go check it out for the weekend. No. But like you and I, we could just get flights wherever we want. And we're like, ah, cool. Go check this out. Go check that out. Like pretty much welcome anywhere to you that we want to go. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, it's one thing that that's, you know, I, I try to, uh, look at what the, the subtle gifts that, that I receive by, by living the lifestyle that I'm living at this point. Um, and one of them is <clears throat> truly understanding my American privilege um, and I'm not saying that from like a race standpoint or anything like that, like just by being born in the United States, you have privileges and advantages over the entire world that quite frankly, in my experience, most people don't even recognize, like just they, they might not even comprehend them because they haven't experienced or lived them. Um, and one of them, for instance, is, uh, is just ease of access and travel. I mean, access to education, access to food, access to roads, like, like uh, you know, simple things that just you take for granted. Like I always think when, I, when I'm on the road, uh, you, you ever paint, you've, you've painted a room. How, about, how much does a gallon of paint cost? 
Like on average, would you say? 30 or 40 bucks or something like that. Okay. Okay. And that's household paying. I don't know. I, I don't know this, right? I'm just, I'm just trying to use my, you ever sit on the road and just look out the window and you see the lines there. And I'm like, how many gallons of paint does it take to paint this road? I just painted this room. This was 30 bucks and I need two coats. I need to go get another can. 60 bucks to paint a room. I'm like, looking at the road. I'm like, oh, okay. You go through the U.S. It's like beautiful roads, right? Now I understand, you know, we're working in construction. I understand we got a lot of improvements that we need with infrastructure. Um, I completely support the bills surrounding those things. But like conceptually, it's difficult to understand or appreciate the privilege that you have just because you've always had it. So once you go without it, then you kind of understand, whoa, right? Like, oh, there's there's a school down the street or there's a, a community pool or, you know, um, things like that. Whereas, you know, I come I come to to Medellin, or I, I go to Guadapari, Brazil, or Villa Vela, Vitoria, Rio, Florianopolis, these these areas, and and uh, you know, you actually see people who who would love to go to the U.S. Right, go to Buenos Aires, Argentina, would love to go to the U.S. Um, would probably do great things there, maybe start a business, work, you know, the American dream. Um, they can't do it, you know, uh, they can't do it. Maybe it might be two years, 18 plus months for a visitation visa, right? <laughs> and then and then that process is, is there's there lacks some transparency as to why you get approved, why you get denied, you know? It's not just about having money. Uh, everyone thinks, oh, it's just, just money. Like, no, they want to know family. They want to know where you work, how long you've been there, what's your credit, what's this... You know, it, it's a it's a process that that's for sure. And there, there's a lot of privilege behind that. So, you know, when I when I turn on the news and and uh, I'm here and, you know, or I see on Instagram, like people running across the border. It's like, when was the last time you saw Americans running to Mexico? Like, when was the, like, when was the, like you like you don't you don't see that, you know, like, you know, you, you know, there, there's a reason. Right. Um, so when I went. <laughs> going over the border into from San Diego into uh, Tijuana, I remember it was a few, you know a few years ago. But you just pull up to like a toll booth, and like going from the U.S. into Tijuana, you basically pull up to a toll booth. There's nobody in it. There's a camera kind of looking at your car, and there's a red light, and then it turns green, and then you drive into Tijuana. I didn't even see a single person to get into Tijuana. <laughs> But then coming back, we had to wait in line for like two hours to like get back into the states. And they also, it's the if you watch and like listen to the news, the way that they portray what it's like leaving the country. I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from for people leaving the countries because they only report on the bad stuff. And everybody's seen the TV show where somebody got trafficked or was forced to carry drugs across the border or something like that. But. Um, you know, even going into Tijuana, like uh, if you were to listen to the news about like what's going on in Mexico and, you know, in my mind, we were going to cross the border and there was going to be like women there like, take my baby, like, please bring this baby into the United States and like standing there. But like, I get into Tijuana and there's like a Starbucks on every corner. 
and it's like people are just going to work and going about their lives and just living you know it was not like this mayhem of lines of people trying to get into the united states and you know well it's it's interesting you say that because mexico is one of those areas that that i i've really been investigating particularly like acapulco um and uh you know i you hear these cartel stories and and I will say, at least in my experience and from talking to a lot of people that have traveled in certain areas in Mexico, they are more acutely aware of the potential violence or scenarios that you could experience. Um, you know, some people, if you look at the data, for instance, I love I love doing this. I'm a, I'm a data guy, right? Because uh, I always think of this, the, uh, the saying, Mark Twain, there's lies, damn lies and statistics, right? Um, you could you could position statistics however you want to to fit the narrative that you're trying to to propose or, or this idea that you're trying to sell or um, and in talking with particularly gringos um, and some Colombians um, yeah there there are certain areas in Mexico that are that are more dangerous why because it's you know that there are areas that are you know controlled by cartels right. Does that make them uh, war zones? No, but like if you want to go for tourism to Acapulco, um, you with great certainty probably will not have any issues, right? Um, but there is that situation where, you know, what news is happening in Acapulco? Like, let's be honest. So if a dead body comes up on the beach, like that's like headline news, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what are the chances of you going to Chicago and being in a particular area and getting shot? Like, I, I don't know the actual data or statistical probability of that, but like, it's probable. Everything's probable, right? Um, I have been reluctant to go to certain areas of Mexico with my girlfriend. I don't have any fear. I'm not ignorant um, either, but like, I don't want to go somewhere where there could be a potential issue, right? But there could be a potential issue if I go to New York City, if I'm caught, you know, in the wrong area of Brooklyn coming back from Dumbo, like, you know, I catch the wrong train and I'm next thing you know, I'm on 123rd and 2nd in Harlem in the hood and I'm just like, wait, what's going on here, right? Um, but like we talked about earlier, it's, it's knowing how to, how to navigate those situations, right? Someone... If you're in a situation, just give them your phone. Like, yeah, it's going to be stressful for the next three days, but like, you don't have to worry about anything. Like, that's most of the the situations that people might not comprehend or understand is those situations come out of desperation, right? Those situations come from a uh, those violent situations typically come from a place of desperation, right? Um, Think of this, like if I have a phone, right, this phone, iPhone 14 in the U.S. costs like, what, a thousand bucks? I go and buy this yeah. phone in Brazil with the exchange rate there, it's about $2,200, right? Now, if I have a certain amount of reals in my pocket, the guy's going to try to part this phone out. I'm just going to give them everything. Here, take this, right? You know, 
uh, what am I going to lose? Like fifty dollars, right? I have insurance. Like I'm going to lose sixty dollars. Um, so yeah, I don't really have any fear of going anywhere. I'm more so worry worry about like because uh, I cycle. You know, I ride fifty miles outside the city. I don't want to end up in an area that I'm like. Hey, you know, what do you, some guys, some guys say to me, what the hell are you doing here? With your $10,000 bike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's going to be a long walk back, man. That's all. (laughs) That's literally the reason why I didn't go to Acapulco, right? Um, Beautiful beaches, um, currency hack, right? Like the currency play, no brainer. Um, There's a, there's a strong crypto community, which I find tends to be, I don't want to say more, the liberal, because I'm, I'm a pretty uh, like old school liberal guy, like small government, stuff like that, um, you know, fiscal conservative. But like um, there seems to be like a good community there. But one of the things on one of these uh, uh, expat websites said I put up a thing about cycling about 50 miles in either direction. And one guy said, yeah, you're not going to do that. Like if you're going to go to Acapulco, stay in Acapulco. And I was like, oh, yeah. Guess I'm not going to live there for three months. Oh, yeah. Well, one thing, too, that I've noticed is, I mean, anywhere you go, like, I live in Watertown. There's Waterbury, which is, like, right next door. And everybody in Connecticut knows Waterbury is, like, where you go to get drugs and gang violence and shootings and all kinds of stuff. And, and not corrupt I, politicians, not corrupt politicians. And, yeah, oh, yeah, and corrupt politicians and, like, yeah, the mayor's gone to prison and all kinds of stuff. And uh, but and I feel fine. I'll go to Waterbury and do whatever. But there's certain parts of Waterbury that I don't go and I wouldn't want to go wander around at 2 in the morning. And it's the same thing anywhere you go in the world. It's like, yeah, don't go out to the rough parts of town and – wander around late night and hold your phone out and show people your wallet and, and things like that. You know, there's, there's, and then I think in, in, uh, I mean, there's also places that are just rough. I think in, uh, what one is it in, uh, Medellin that's, uh, that, uh, starts with a B that's over by where we went repelling down that waterfall. Yeah. Bejo. That's like, even during the day, you're not like, going over there and just spending some time i would go out though on the motorcycle and i'd go rip around through there and you know thankfully never broke down or anything but with a helmet on nobody knows that i'm a gringo like i'm just riding around with thousands of other motorcyclists and and just going through so you know and even if i was to break down i'd probably be okay but realistically like that's not an area that you want to but the same thing in waterbury there's spots in waterbury that you don't really want to go and that's in connecticut you know like it could be anywhere. If you're looking for trouble, you can find it. 80. So it's interesting you say that. And and here's a statistic for you. Um, if I've met 10 people, which I probably have, uh, that have had issues while they've been abroad. And we're talking people who have traveled, you know, Sean, like Sean, he's, you know, he's, he's traveled all across the world for, for 15, 20 years. You, uh, you know, people who have, who, who have traveled. I'd say maybe eight out of 10 of the stories that have encountered some level of trouble, uh, it was because they were uh, maybe partying a little late, uh, performing some extracurriculars, 
um, you know, hanging out with shady women, um, hanging out with people that they don't know. Like, that's the one thing that 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 I see is is uh, people tend to tend to gravitate to extremes, right? You have the the vagabond traveler. I'm gonna go hang out, be one with the people, and it's like, hold on, dude. You don't know where you're going. Use some common sense. Not everyone's your friend, right? Like, there's someone here. Like, I can look out the window and see a guy juggling down at the the stoplight, and he's going to be hungry, right? So like, he's not your friend. And at two o'clock in the morning, if you're drunk and you're by yourself and you're walking around stumbling with your phone out, he might take your phone, right? And he might say, give me your phone. Like, put your phone away, take an Uber, right? And, and, and on, the, on the flip side, you have people who are, who are hyper aware, like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Medellin and get shot. Like, no, that's not, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, so, so my point is, is most of the stories, I'd say eight out of 10 of them were people, like I said, who were, who were putting themselves, they were already in a compromise or inebriated type of situation where there already is an elevated level of, of danger, right? Or, 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 uh, where you might have some fear. So like, I've never heard of anyone getting robbed at, at like the museum, right? Like I, haven't heard of anyone going to a retreat and getting held up at gunpoint while they're going to an ice bath or like, you know, no one at the gym is like, you know, no one walked into the gym and punched them and stole their eye watch like that. You know, so it's like, yeah, just <laughs> if, if you want trouble, you can find it anywhere. That's for sure. Yeah. Tony, you good just sitting there listening? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm coughing and wheezing so much here, man. I'm like, uh, about that. I'm good. I'm good. That's a great conversation. Keep going. I'm I'm fine. Just smile and wave. So can I ask you a question? I mean, I, I know that I'm on your podcast. Yeah, 100%. All right. So I, I'm um, something that I've really been focusing on is, is, you know, and I've told you about this before is like the hermetic principles and like the distribution of energy and and like how we use our energy right uh, from from the moment we wake up how we use our energy where we decide to focus our energy um you know the the whole idea surrounding that um you know we, we've talked about you know mental physical spiritual equation um i know some of the the um, alternative programs and stuff that we've utilized in our lives that have been beneficial for us um, how have you used travel to uh, gain experience or, or, uh, how has travel contributed to, to the energy in your life? Or is it, is it a motivating factor for, for you? Cause you've done a lot of travel and that's something that, that I've always, I don't want to say been envious of, um, but that I respect and I love about you, right? Like, you go to these places and you don't necessarily care, but also you're not reckless, you know? Um, so I'd be interested, like, what are the positive effects that travel has on you? And, and um, what's that equation look like, like from an energy standpoint for you, right? Like I asked you last time we spoke, what, where's the next place you're going to travel? When are you going to travel next? Um, and you said, yeah, I, th I think I'm all right for a little while. 
Well, from a uh, yeah, so from a like an energetic standpoint, and uh, like how I've used traveling. Well, one thing that I love about it is uh, the gra- the the gratitude that comes along with it, like going to these new places and and like what we were talking about before is realizing and getting a realistic idea of like the privilege that I do have, like that, that birthright of being an American, you know? So whenever I travel and then I come home and, you know, there's awesome, you go to Medellin and you're like, wow, this is, this is awesome. And the food is amazing and there's fresh fruit and the mountains and the weather and all these things. But then there's just some different creature comforts and just some things that we take for granted, you know, being, uh, being home. So a lot of times when I've, when I've come home, uh, after trips, uh, I want to like get rid of everything that I own, all the things. And I realize how much possessions actually like own me and has traveling has really shifted the way that I view possessions and, and my desire to acquire things and acquire stuff. You know, when I get out there and I travel like, and I'm just wandering around for six weeks with just a backpack. Uh, and I realize that don't need any of the stuff that I have in storage or, you know, all the, uh, all the random things in closets in my house or couches or just the house itself. Like I don't need that stuff. You know, it gives me much more of an, uh, objective view of life in general, how, uh, things aren't that important, you know, uh, and you see how other people, I see how other people are living and, um, and how happy and content they are and just like not having that much. And, um, you know, and then like also one of the things I love too, is just showing people and getting people inspired about traveling and showing and just showing other people like what the rest of the world is, is like, and, and the freedom and the possibility that like you can go anywhere and do anything and have these experiences and share these experiences with other people. When we talked the other, when we talked a week or two ago and you were asking me about the, uh, the traveling, where's the next spot? Like I have, I, like I'll, I'm going to end up in Spain, you know, in the next couple of months I'll be in Spain. I know in October I'm going down, I'm going to Nepal for probably a month or a few weeks or something like that. I'm going to climb some mountains and hang out with my, uh, my nephew. She, he met, uh, he married a girl from, from Nepal and they're going to have like a Nepali wedding out there. We're going to, you know, go hang out in Nepal and, uh, you know, but it's also a lot too about like the experience of like who you're sharing it with, you know, where you were, what I was asking you before about connecting into different cultures and making friends there. Cause I've gone some places that I've had some experiences and I've made some friends when I was traveling, but, uh, I also find it different sharing that experience with like a new friend and somebody that you just met and you're, you're going to have, and, you know, and building that new relationship. And it's a different experience than like coming there and hanging out with you. Who's like one of my best friends and I've known for a while and, you know, and us sharing that experience to me, that's, it's more rewarding in like, maybe it's like a quicker reward than like building that new relationship with somebody. Uh, or uh, like you were saying before, it's maybe it's just the path of least resistance. You know, it takes less effort 
for us to connect because you and I could, you could put you and I anywhere in the world and we're going to have an awesome time and like, we're going to be connected and laughing and we got our jokes and we know how each other move and vibe and flow through different situations and stuff. Uh, yeah. So I think, and then what you were asking again, you were asking a bit too, like what travel does for me energetically. Uh, yeah. I think, I think like if I, if I focus on the, the, if I, one thing I've been doing, I told you the hermetic principles. If I think about like the principle of rhythm, I think there's an inflow and there's an outflow of energy. Right. And so like, I just was wondering like how that equation looks for you. And I think you were hitting the nail on the head, but you were, you were talking, I interrupted you. There's like a two-sided way to, that you can answer it, I guess. There's no, I'm just, I've always been interested in that with you because you come back and you seem very energized and it's like, then you're planning your next thing. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. You know, I, I took notes. You're like, Oh, October, Nepal. Oh, he's going to meet someone. There. I guess I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> nah, come to Nepal, dude. Um, then what, well, so this was years ago. This is how I got into traveling is a friend of mine. Uh, she, um, I heard her telling a story and, and I had known her for uh, a number of years and I, and she starts to tell me how she just sold everything that she had. She quit her job, sold everything that she had. And I want to say that she had somewhere between 40 and 50 grand and was leaving and was going off to travel and didn't know when she was coming back, but generally was you know, her thought was that she was going to travel for two years and she was just going to go travel the world for two years. And I remember thinking, what? We can do that? Like, I hadn't really thought about like how, like we have the ability just to go travel and go explore the world like that. And then I watched, like she put up, she had a blog and she went to Australia and New Zealand and all over Southeast Asia and just lived for two years, just traveling around and hanging out in hostels and going to these. And I, remember thinking I want to do that. So I just started doing it, you know, and I just was like, I want to have that experience. Uh, and then a friend of mine was going and who, Brian, who you met, who eventually we'll have on the podcast too. He, uh, was living in Ecuador for like four months every year. And I remember asking him, I'm like, dude, I want to travel. But I also had that fear, you know, I don't know what it's like when you leave the country. I had been to Canada and to like the Bahamas or something, you know, and I'm like, but I wanted like that, that comfort of like knowing somebody. And I asked him, I'm like, Hey, can I come hang out with you for a week or two? I want to travel for a, a while and come check out South America. But I'm also like nervous. I've never been out of the country. Could can I come? And he's like, absolutely. So I flew down. We ended up spending six weeks together. I went to Ecuador and lived with the Spanish family and took Spanish lessons in, um, in Cuenca, which is a cool town. And then, you know, flew to Peru and did, you know, Machu Picchu and the Incan Trail. And then we went to Bolivia and, you know, I went back to Ecuador and then over to Colombia and just, yeah. But as soon as I got there, it took me like a couple of days to realize like, oh, okay, I can do this. I could figure this out. Yeah. But it was, it was wild. So would you say like, would you say that, that it, like the, it sounds like to me that, that, that the, the net benefit to you is, is that like 
you exert this energy and you go and have these experiences, you meet people, you try new things, you love the motorcycle, you love like uh, nature, um, you go and exert this energy and as a byproduct, you, you receive like the, the equal energy back. And then when you get back to like that normal, like the, your routine, right? Your home base, um, which is something that I've actually um, come to realize is very important if you want to try to live a stable life and like run a business remotely, you gotta, you gotta kind of set up a home base because you get really stressful. Um, but then you, you're net positive when you get back and then you know that there's going to be some um, new net positive situation by traveling and, and then you just get back and you're planning your next one. And it's just, it's, it's, is that fair to say that that's kind of what it is? Because sooner or later you're going to run out of places, right? I don't think so. I, I mean, one goal that I have that I, again, I heard someone else say is uh, they wanted to see every country before they died. They wanted to visit every country. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, I want to do that. Why not? <laughs> I forget what the number. I think it's like 180 or 200 countries or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's eh. 200 plus. I mean, it's, it's doable. Weird. Like I started looking at the number, and some people recognize it. How is this pot? Like how how do some people recognize this many, and some people like, is it a country or not? But yeah, it's it's around there, 200 plus. Yeah, you could do it. Um, but yeah, so like the net pot that you. Sorry. Yeah. Net no, just, yeah. So just the net pause, I would say just the experience themselves. So to me, just having new experiences and seeing new places and you know me and anywhere I go, I just want to be on a motorcycle. I want to be on a motorcycle. I want to be climbing some rocks and like getting some thrill and some adventure and just, I don't know. It's the same thing as going for a hike for me. I get the same benefit of going out into nature and going for a hike and having that experience and being present. I find myself very present when I'm traveling and uh, it just fills that cup up for me. Is that, um, you know, I I was thinking about this um, and you've you've started doing, um, hosting the retreats and putting on those events, uh, which I think is awesome. And I've told you from the get-go, if there's anything I could ever do to help, I, I want to be there for you. Um, but it almost sounds to me like traveling is almost, at one point, it sounds like traveling for you is almost like a retreat, right? Because some of the things that you do while you've hosted your retreats are things that you do while you're abroad. Um, and some of your travel, or you know, maybe more than half, seems that you've been uh, with people and then the other half maybe by yourself and uh, I think it's interesting because I was I was thinking about that I was like wow this travel is almost like a retreat for Tim in that he's going and exploring and doing the things that he loves just in a different place Um, and that's why I I asked you that question about that that energy because um, you know, I think it's I think it's important for us to take time and, and be contemplative and go places and do things that that we love and and uh, I think it's very human and I in fact I think um, that that's something that a lot of people are missing 
right? And that, that's kind of been the basis of, of you hosting these retreats. Yeah, well, and, and, one um, of the things that... I just thought it was interesting uh, when I looked at your travel, almost like mini retreats for yourself. Yeah, so I think our internets are getting a little wonky. But uh, yeah, so it is like a mini retreat. But one of the things that I've been pausing a little bit with the um, travel is... So I've traveled like so many places and because I'm not working, right. I don't know if it would be different if I would have, I would feel like there was more, uh, if I was being more productive, if I was like traveling and like working remotely, I don't know if that would shift for me. Uh, but when I'm traveling, I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm having these awesome experiences and I'm going, but I also know that for me, the essence of life really is like being of service to other people like that altruism, like finding a way to be of service. So when I travel, there is a sense of like retreat and um, enjoyment that I get, but I've started to find travel to be a little less and less fulfilling when I'm just going somewhere for myself. And then I'm just riding motorcycles and eating good food and working out. And I'm like, and I've been pausing where I'm and spending some time with the thought of like, what's the point? What am I doing here? How can I be of service? What do I actually want to do with this? Because this could be more of a lifestyle for me if I find a way to be of service. And one of the ways that I do enjoy being of service with that is just like, for instance, in January, when I took my friend James to, we went to Ecuador and he had never been out of the country before and he would never have done that without me. And just to like, encourage and support him and show him that new experience so i find that awesome i love showing people that so now i'm starting to think of like all right how do i bring this to people how do i travel but in like purposefully like have a purposeful like travel experience whether that be like host international retreats you know just to take people on adventures you know uh like this coming week i'm actually going and like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm getting, I'm going for an SBI, which is a single pitch rock climbing instructor. So I'll actually be like a certified rock climbing instructor. So I'll be able to like potentially take people on more excursions and kind of into the wilderness a bit more. So I've just been spending some time contemplating how to be more of service with my travel because that energetic exchange has kind of shifted where it's not as rewarding as it used to be. Like in the beginning, y'all, these new experiences and you're standing next to this giant waterfall and a jungle and these different cities and stuff. And I've started to be like, okay, this is awesome. And I've seen a lot, like I've seen a lot of really amazing things, but oh, now I want to know how I could be of service with those experiences and bring it and make it accessible for other people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think uh, that's kind of, not to turn the conversation back to me, but one thing that I've been recognizing is, is uh, I, I had this feeling of, of feeling uh, like back to home, right? As crazy as it sounds, Medellin, um, you know, it's, it's my home for now. And I've, I've come to identify home is, is, is what you make it, right? It's not a physical place. It's, it's the energy um, it's the, the way of life, it's the flow, it's the things that you come to appreciate within a particular area. Um, you could have a lot of different homes, right? Um, but, but I guess what I was saying is, is uh, 
it's awesome how you've continued to do what you've done for years, but your purpose, there's been a pivot in your purpose, right? You're, there's been a pivot in your intention and, and kind of what that, that net positive uh, is for you. And, and um, that's, that's what I think the, the, uh, for me, like what I'm, I'm questioning a lot now. I'm 37 years old. I've, I've been through some really interesting situations um, in life. You know, at one point, you know, I, you know, like I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. And then, you know, now I'm running a company in, in an industry and from, from Medellin, Colombia and, and bouncing back and forth to Miami. Um, and I'm trying to find things in my life. Like, for instance, like we were talking about your travel where the the course of action doesn't change but but my purpose pivots that's that's like for me what identifies if i really love something right um like i love working out you know at certain points uh my, in my whole life you know working out since 10 12 13 years old i, I was fasting guys muscles dunking basketball man i want to do that um my intention has in health and wellness is has pivoted in a way, right? Like I'm not trying to run a, f uh, a five minute mile. I mean, maybe I'll try to do that because I'm squirrely, but like, um, you know, I'm not trying to, to bench press 400 pounds, but like, you know, I, I want to push myself. Um, and, and it's, it's just interesting because I remember three years ago, I was, I was obsessed with, you know, being 200 pounds and, and doing a, a triathlon in under 230 right the olympic triathlon in under two hours and 30 minutes i'm like yeah okay did it what next right you know and, and i'm just constantly pivoting and so i just think it's awesome and that's that's like for instance something that that you love is travel now your your intention your purpose and, and the net positive benefits that the positive energy that you receive you just you pivot you pivot but but the travel and those, those experiences um and, and the intention behind it kind of changes you know um you know, the, the one thing that I'd say um, with me, where I am kind of in this reflective state of, of life, and I'm always in some contemplative state, I guess, you know, and look, I'm not Buddha, man, like I'm, I'm a real guy. Um, you know, I've been in some jacked up situations. Um, the interesting thing, I'm, <laughs> I'm always the common denominator in them, right? Like, 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 I remember my cousin telling me, he's like, He's like, yeah, you, you know all these these screwed up situations that you seem to end up in. You know the common denominator is you. And I'm like, wow, uh, yeah, I, I do. But but this person, you know, and uh, you know, it's it's just funny because if if we you know talk about talk about the energy, I, I really think like what not like what fills my cup, man. Like what what do I enjoy? What what do I love? Like uh, what what areas do I love? Like. What, where do I identify? And, and um, I catch myself now. Um, I feel like like I'm on track and my pivots are healthy pivots, right? I'm, I'm still in my, my mental, physical, and spiritual lanes. It's just, I'm just kind of pivoting, uh, but I'm still in the lane. I'm still in the space and um, checking in, man. That's, that's the important thing um, for me is checking in, right? Having having a group of, of individuals, particularly men, that I can check in with, be honest with, um, and and that's that's reciprocated, right? They're honest with me. They'll say, uh, you know, what, what 
the fuck are you doing? Excuse me. Um, like, you just, what are you doing? <laughs> just swear all you want. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Where's your head on this? Um, which, which is just uh, something, something that I need, right? Something that I need, and, and it's helpful for me. Um, you have to be careful with yeah. the common denominator theory because it's a flawed data set, right? You don't have the data on all the fucked up situations that happened without you. So it can be a bit of a it can be a bit of a flawed theory. The it's a, a little bit like the terminal velocity of cats. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's it's actually funny you say that. Um, just because, like, when it comes, for instance, to relationships, if we if if I can pivot the conversation to that, like when it comes to like interpersonal relationships, I've had a, a challenge in identifying something that might, like I, I want to simplify and compartmentalize, right? And so like if I have a similar experience or a similar conversation or what I, in my mind, identify to be similar to something that might have turned out negative in the past, I like automatically have this, this fight or flight response where I, you know, to, I'm like want to argue or like run a million miles from the situation. And I just need to pause and be like, Whoa, this might not be the same thing, man. Like just re- continue to read the situation and be decisive, not reactionary, feel this one out. Like This client might not be saying it. Your girlfriend might not be meaning that, you know, your mom might not be saying the same thing that she was saying to you when you were 12 years old and, you know, ran your bike into the car. No, it's, I, I find, you know, to put a, you know, the cliche saying on it is life is a journey, right? And then the moment you think you've arrived, you never will. But yeah, I mean, you can boil that down to, to so many things. I think, um, you know, like when it, like it comes to personal relationships and I'm a shitty person to take advice from, not because I've made a lot of bad decisions is I made one good decision once, like, and it just worked out. I'm, you know, I've known my wife for 30 years, but it's, I think that, I think the key to that is to understand that you're still two individual people. You're still on a journey and you're going to grow and change over the time. And I, I equate it almost to like ocean tides, right? You know, you, you fall in and out of love again and again, ebb and flow and back and forth. And that's, you know, I, like I said, I've been extremely fortunate and so I'm probably a shitty person to take advice from, but I think that where I have, we have run into trouble is when we stopped accepting that ebb and flow or that change, you know? And I think that can come down to a lot of things in life. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really good point. And, um, I think, if, I mean, look, the longest relationship I had was, uh, wasn't the most nutritious relationship that I've had. And the most nutritious relationship that I've had wasn't the shortest relationship I had. And so, um, you know, I think the, the thing that you said that really resonates with me is, is understanding that, that things will, will ebb and flow. I, I actually look at that everything is, is uh, a relationship, right? I have a relationship with food. I have a relationship with working out. I have a relationship with my spirituality. Uh, you know, I have a, a relationship with sleep. You know, it, it might sound crazy and extreme, right? But um, I have historically 
been a person that lives in extremes. Um, I thrive in, in extremes. And so that's one thing in a relationship that I, that I don't necessarily want. Right. And so one of my uh, warning signs or one of the things, for instance, that I, that I identify early uh, on in a relationship now is like, does this person, do they live in extremes in the relationship? Right. Um, can they be quiet and contemplative in the storm? Right. You're going to argue, you're going to have issues. Um, is, is, is this person decisive and not reactionary? And Tony, it sounds like to me, like, I mean, 30 years, I'm sure you've seen a lot, right? Um, at the end of the day, um, if you're freaking out because, you know, it's been 24 hours and your, your wife has been acting differently and you text her 30 times and, you know, it's like, no, like just slow down. Just relax, calm down. Um, you know, the, you can't be in a relationship like that. And so it just sounds like you got lucky, man. Um, you know, you got lucky. I think you know that, but like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, you know, very lucky. But I think that there's a part of me too that avoids uh, confrontation and drama um, almost pathologically, and my my wife's very much the same way. So when we are arguing, it's usually we're just not talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's just every every couple has their own thing. But I've seen it come more to life now, too, with my daughter. She's 18 yeah. and, you know, having relationships. And there was a point where, you know, she's she's standing at home going to community college and her boyfriend's down in Philadelphia. He's going to Temple. So they, they had that separation anxiety. And it really had to think about these things, you know, like what advice do you want to give to your 18 year old daughter? Um, about these things. And it, it, it occurred to me, you know, falling in love is easy. You know, that, that part was easy. It's the, the maintenance that goes into it. And then, like I said, you know, thinking back on the, the 30 year relationship, you know, my wife and I've been married for 25 years, but we lived together for six years beforehand. So yeah. And just, I found it to be a whole retrospect of the ability to see interpersonal relationship again through my daughter's interactions and i don't know if she wants my advice or not it's my father it's my job to give it to her so i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna do uh, whether she listens or not but it's been very interesting to to think about these things again because i i you know it's easy to fall into that pattern and to avoid you know a confrontation or maybe drama i guess is the best way to put it and sometimes and there's nothing wrong with a little drama i think where I've seen people go wrong is they expect the same thing again and again and again from a relationship or from life. And you know, that that's one definition of insanity, right? To keep doing the same thing and expect the same result. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really, uh, not, not that, that my, my respect is like some, some notch on your belt or something, but I really respect that, that approach that you have. Um, because I, through experience, um, have come to appreciate the value of allowing, uh, your child, um, to experience, um, life and, and to, to maybe, you know, it doesn't sound like you're hard on your daughter, but also like to be a parent. Right. Um, and that's something that like, you know, at this point in my life, I've, 
I'm not sure that I, I want. Um, in fact, I, I, I tend to look at it on a scale from one to 10 and I'd say, you know, 10 being an absolute must, uh, you know, I'm probably a two, maybe, maybe a two and a half, maybe a three. I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't have that desire. Um, it's a lot of responsibility, but in that responsibility, uh, you know, you need to be honest and you, you need to chime in. And um, I think it's a delicate balance between being a helicopter parent, which I see so much in the U.S. and not so much like uh, in in certain areas that I've been in in South America, but also like uh, giving good advice and allowing your children to experience difficult times and, and not have a silver spoon, but, but also um, knowing your limits, right? It's a delicate balance, right? My, my mom said this to me years ago. Uh, she goes, look, I understand, um, you know, because at the time I was a Division One collegiate athlete, you know, academics didn't do the best when I first got into college. By the end of it, you know, academic all honors, stuff like that. And she said, well, look, you know, what the difference is, is life isn't like a classroom, okay? Uh, and I'm like, what are you saying? You know, we can always, you know, being a jerk, what are you saying? Well, life gives you the test first and the lesson after. And, and, uh, you know, that, that's always kind of just stuck with me because, um, you know, what's your experience with your daughter? It's not like there's a playbook. I mean, even if you have a second child that's in the same exact situation, it's not going to be the same thing, you know? So I think, I think that's awesome. And the ability to look at your own relationship, right? That's powerful shit. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it just occurred to me, you know, when you, we very rarely grow through the good times and you know, while I've been in a long-term relationship for a long time, doesn't mean that I haven't had my share of heartbreak. In fact, sometimes when I fidget, I can still feel some knives in my back. Um, but I, you know, when you think back to that pain and that heartbreak, the, the amount that that added to my life in retrospect is, is not something I would ever want to rob my daughter of, you know? Um, it, it, I hate that term tough love and I don't think it's that accurate, but it's, it was a growing lesson for her, but then it was also for me as well, too, because, you know, you think it's bad to have your heart broken. Watch a small piece of you get their heart broken and you really there's nothing you can do about it, you know, um, and that that was a whole different a whole different level of learning for me and, and seeing it, you know, almost through like an opaque mirror. So, it, you know, to to want to protect her is ingrained as a father, but I think to you know, I can't, it, it's, it's accepting what you can and what you can't do. And, uh, you know, ultimately say, Hey honey, just let me know when I need to bury a body and, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. <laughs> no, <laughs> just don't tell me. Um, so no, I, I completely understand and agree. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you say that because one of the things that, that through my experiences, um, really, I'd say over the past 10 years, right? Like if I look, you know, again, I, I try to simplify, try to compartmentalize things, right? I look at like, I'm 37. It's easy for me just to break it down. Okay, I got, I got uh, four quarters, 10 year, 
10 years in each quarter, right? And if I break it down, I kind of think about a game, right? Because that's how my brain works. And and I just think how the quarters have been now. Now, hopefully the game's not over at 40, man. I, w- I would be real, I'd be really freaking upset, man. I hope I got more than three more years in me, but hey, you know, <laughs> we don't know. So I hope, I hope we go into overtime, right? Extended overtimes. Um, you know, give me a contract that says I'll make it to 75 or 72 and I'm healthy. And then I'll just die at that. I'll sign it today. I'll sign it today. I promise you. Um, healthy 72. Let's go. Um, and I, I say that jokingly just because, you know, I, I have some older friends who, who are around that age. But, hey, uh, you know, understand the privilege that you have by being healthy that long. And uh, so, so, so yeah, I've, I've actually uh, started looking at, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of my relationships and, and um, understanding where, I, where my energy is best put, right? Understanding that, that I don't know everything. Um, I can't play God. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting because you have, you have a daughter and, and you do have that natural desire to protect. Right. I, I noticed that, uh, in, in both males and females, you have that, you have that desire to protect, but when are you, when are you helping and when are you enabling and when are you hurting? Right. I think those are important things to, to ask. Um, ourselves in all of our relationships, right? Uh, particularly maybe with children or, or our relations, interpersonal relationships, right? If you're, for instance, with a coworker and they always need help, 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 you know, you're enabling that person to, to continue with bad habits. Maybe that person should just get fired and they are not cut for the job, but you're being a nice person. You're going home, you're giving your energy to try to help someone out and it's not an efficient use of your energy, right? Um, and in fact, you know, for instance, with your daughter, you might give advice that uh, on paper might be the most logical and best advice, but it could lead to some chain reaction of events that are unforeseen that, that lead to a tragic situation. You know, and we just don't know. And um, I think that's why it comes down to, to our intention. You know, I ask, you know, what the hell's my intention? What's, what's my intention here? Um, particularly with, with clients that I have with, with my, my girlfriend, you know, we have a, a great relationship. Um, we talk, she's, she's contemplative, but, um, you know, we have our challenges too. And, and that's something that, that I've come to, to accept is like, what challenges am I willing to just to, uh, experience, right? Like, am I willing to deal with a partner who has mental health issues and, and might be on some medications or, uh, could potentially be bipolar, like you know, that's that's something that that like I, I've I've experienced, and it was extremely challenging. Um, and at this point, I've been in enough relationships where I can I can identify very quickly what I'm willing to accept and not accept. And and what I what I've done is. Uh, through a friend, uh, he's like, look, you're a recruiter and consultant. Why don't you create a position description for your potential partner? And I was like, well, I kind of have, but I didn't want to tell you because it sounds really weird. He's like, well, think about it. If you go to recruit for a company and they want human capital, they want a person, you're going to find that person 
if you don't have a position description of what you're looking for, how the hell do you know what you're even looking for? You know, how do you, what are you even measuring here? And, and yeah, so I did that, you know, I was like curious. I, I like a person that's curious. I like a person that's adventurous, physically fit, spiritual interest, right? You don't need to be, uh, you know, the Dalai Lama, but like also like I have found that particularly in South America, there are people that, that uh, are very religious, just like there is in the U.S., but, you know, the, culturally there's, there's more, they're more inclined uh, toward toward the Catholic faith in, in certain areas, and and like what what do I want? What do I don't want? Right? I think that's that's been the the quest for me is is um, identifying what I want, what I don't want, um, not being cutthroat about it, right? Giving people time, um, and then understanding that like I don't I don't know what impacts my my words might have, my actions might have. And so uh, I just try to have a delicate balance in, in all that, right? Like, what, what am I putting out, right? How is it gonna affect this person? I, I have no clue, but at least I'm thinking about it, right? Catch a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of uh, women in relationships and they're just, you know, they're, they're having the, the Italian kitchen approach, just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's like. Slow down. It'll be all right. Worst case scenario, you, you break up with the person. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't care about them. Doesn't mean you don't wish the best for them. Now, you can't break up with your kid. But you know what? Like, <laughs> I've seen some shit. Like, yeah, I've, I know some 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 37-year-olds who don't have great relationships or any relationships with their family. You know? And that's okay. You know? That's okay. Yeah, they... Listen, Maggie, we're breaking up. <laughs> I think your your point of intention I find is key because, you know, when I, because think about this stuff a lot, right? Because I'm dealing with this and, but it's, you know, if you're coming in with the intention to help somebody, it's one thing. Trying to fix somebody is an entirely different thing. And you should never try and, you can't fix anybody. In fact, just coined a new phrase mm. with a close friend of Tim and our Amanda. It's like, you know, friends don't fix friends. You should get a t-shirt made, you know, so why I, how I try to differentiate it is, you know, in an example with my daughters, I'm trying to help her. Or am I trying to fix it as a father? I think my inclination is to want to fix it. I want to take it away. I want to make it better. I want to like, you know, she's fine. She's somehow broken and I have to fix her. But then that sort of means all that work that, you know, Susie and my wife and I did when she was a little till now she's 18 going on 19, all that was wasted because, you know, we taught her to be a strong, independent person and well, that's what she is. So now, we gave her the toolkit. Now she has to use it. I will help her if I can, um, but I can't fix her. You know, I just can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a, a difficult enough task to try to fix ourselves. And, and it, if I even ask myself that, like what, what is, if I were to fix myself, what the hell does that even mean? Right? Like, yeah. Like if you fix you. <laughs> like, like, let's just, I mean, focus on myself. And, and again, I think that comes down to, to the vibrations that, that we put out, right? Like if I get back to that, that whole hermetic thing that I've kind of been on, it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm right now, if, if I'm good, then what I'll be doing is I'll, I'll be sending energy, the right energy to, to the people around me. Right. And, um, and then like, like you said, when you're off, when you're not good or your energy might be off, you, for me, it's just like surrounding myself 
with someone that will ask like, hey, you, you all right? Or what's going on? But not like freak out, right? Like in an interpersonal relationship, like girlfriend, like, all right, like just having a weird afternoon. I'm feeling funny. I'm just, just a little off. Like, don't make it about you. Don't make this. This is not about you right now. Maybe it is, but it's up for me. To, it's up to me to communicate that to you. But like, don't don't go to this. You know, my my current girlfriend. And I call it the dark neighborhood. Like, don't go to that dark neighborhood. That dark space in your mind where it's the, the blind alley. You're like, you know, you don't know where the wall is. It's all right. Just just navigate through it. You know the. Uh, the one thing that that where I've I've uh, been really impressed with uh, culturally with people is um, spending spending a good amount of time in South America. You know, leaving Connecticut, I had I had a goal of stopping in every single state in a particular city or area that I really found of interest, and I did that met with some clients, hung out. And then I get down to Miami. I love Miami. Love it a lot. Um, Coconut Grove, love it. Um, Have an office there. Um, But ultimately, uh, I don't think it's the best use of my energy because, you know, I I look at it as like spending time in traffic, the the prices of things, the ease of access to the things that I like, whether it be food, gyms, beaches, cycling. At the time, I was single, so that played a, a part into it. As well, played into the, the the equation as well. But but to get to my point is is uh, one thing that I that I've experienced in Colombia uh, is the the way of life or the the um, approach in relationships is is very different and and obviously i'm a man uh, you know I'm, I'm a straight male and that my experience has been with with women and so what i'm getting at is is um the women that that i've either had as friends or that i've dated or my current girlfriend who i'm you know we're in a serious relationship like i take the relationship very very seriously and, and we've talked about what the design of next steps in our relationship would look like and building a life together and everything. Uh, but, but culturally just the approach is just very different. Now, I don't know if it's because my approach is different because I'm a gringo. Uh, maybe I'm different from a lot of other Colombian men or, or I, I don't know exactly, but what I'm getting at is, is like the, the idea of, of kind of being, a little more decisive and not reactionary. Um, the the level of neuroticism and stress isn't as prevalent in my experience. Um, and I again, I don't know if that's just from from the culture and lifestyle that we have in the U.S., where a lot of places it's go go go, you got to be here or school school school. Like it's just a little more tranquilo, a little more low key. And uh, I I really like that. Well, you're also coming from New England, and in New right. England, like you, you could tell even after spending some time there. When you come here, you're like, oh my, everyone's in a rush. Like, like honking the horn. Like, like here, here you honk the horn, you get like the double tap, but then and you there, like you got some guy in that like, like you like 
Well, everybody's in a rush, like get on to the next thing. It's just move, move, move. And like, I could see that in my own mindset, like it's always on the go. And you you always get, you're you're just kind of moving and shaking all the time. And uh, you go down South, even, you know, Florida, Georgia, and people are, it's a lot more, maybe not so much like South Florida, but you know, when you get in like down South, it's a lot calmer and people aren't in a rush as much, you know? And you're, you're pretty far south, you know? So it just gets yeah. more and more chill. The further south you go, <laughs> the more chill it gets. It's funny. It's funny. Cause, because if I, you know, if, if, I, uh, if I said, uh, if I had to identify any of the issues, right? So you'd say, all right, gringo, originally from the Northeast. I've lived in New Jersey, lived in Indiana when I was playing football at Purdue, uh, Florida grew up there for part of my life, moved down there briefly, um, and I'm, I'm back and forth now, right? Um, but the overall uh, the overall complaints that I might have, if, if someone's listening to this and they say, oh, man, like I want to go, you know, I, I create a system, right? I create a system. I, I'm an arborist, right? I create a business where I can spend this many months out of the year abroad and I can actually create a sustainable system where I can make this a lifestyle or, you know, that window of opportunity, that door opens like the woman that, that uh, encouraged you to travel where it's like, walk through that door, like walk through that door right now. You have the opportunity to go abroad uh, and experience life in a way that you'll never be, be able to possibly again. Right. Maybe you will, but you don't know. Right. Uh, Walk through that door. If I had to have any like a complaints list, I'd say sometimes it's a little too tranquilo, uh, or if we're in, in Brazil, tranquilo, and uh, and and I'm like, come on, man, like like we gotta get this shit done. Like we're eating lunch. Like what, what are we taking a siesta here? Like ninety minutes for lunch? Like what are we doing? You know, I'm at a freaking so, <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's creating systems that that can help any of those right like you if you want to go for lunch it's it's not going to be quick right but rappy they have rappy here which is is like a uh, in my opinion a glorified uber eats it's way better than uber eats and significantly cheaper um but yeah if you're in south america don't don't expect anything to be quick don't just don't don't expect it. If if you don't have that expectation, you tend I tend not to get as upset, but it still it stresses me out, you know. The technology, the infrastructure, it's just it's not like the US. And again, I guess you could flip that around and be like, what a privilege, right? That that you have in the US, but also kind of what kind of a curse, you know, think about how how we're cons- constantly in our phones checking email or or, you know, what, what time is this meeting? And it's like, whoa, like, you know, that's one thing that coming here has allowed me to really reevaluate in my life, right? Once you kind of go without those things, once you show up here and your cell phone's cut off for two weeks and you're like, wait, my whole existence monetarily comes from this. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to figure it out, right? And me... I'm going to be super stressful and I'm going to, I'm going to get this figured out. No, no, 
you're gonna you're gonna learn patience. This place is gonna teach you patience. It's gonna teach you to plan in advance. It's gonna teach you to be a little more decisive and not reactionary. Because that reactionary, that person will just close the kiosk. They don't give a shit. They don't care what your problem is. Um, and and it, it's not that they they do that from a place of of like haste, right? They're not mad. It's just like their life isn't gonna change, right? Like if Gringo Derek doesn't get his you know, his chippy, chippy team in, in Rio, it's like, sorry, like, you know, um, showing up to restaurants. This is, this is a, a great example. Hooli and I, you know, we'll get ready. Oh yeah. We're going to go here. We show up to the place. I'm like, restaurants not even here. Like we're in Balneario, Cambuio, Brazil, developed area. Like they call it the Dubai of Brazil. Super cool place. But we show up and it's like the restaurant's not even here. Like, what are you gonna you gonna get upset, and stressed out, and like, ain't like, guess we gotta find another place, you know? That'd be my one complaint, yep. man. That'd be my one complaint is just the technology. It's just it's just not not there. And come to appreciate it, not not like hold it to some level of contempt. I love it. Well, we have yeah, uh, yeah. officially recorded our, our longest podcast. Really? Yeah, I figured it would be as much. We don't really have any uh, rules anyway, so it's hard to break something you ain't got. That is true. You know, I think if I if I were to say, what would you say like the, the general demographic of of – a listener here. I really have no clue. Like our all yeah, ten of them. Our subscriber list is pretty low. Like it's growing kind of slowly over time. It's I would su- suspect that most people probably know us personally or have met us, either Tim or I. I would say most likely. So it's probably uh, very similar to okay. the three of us sitting here. Okay, interesting. So because we've we've talked, we've actually talked about a lot which I expect nothing less just because the way my brain works and, and, and uh, you know, I'm all over the place a lot of times. And, you know, I have feel like all these, this thing comes down to, to three main parts, right? I always try to compartmentalize things. Um, it's it's simp- simple for me, you know, like this mental, physical, spiritual stuff. Um, and like we talked about, about travel and like distribution of energy. Um, you know, the, the one thing, that I feel like I would want to um, understand uh, or address is uh, is you know if someone uh, is tied into into work or they say you know how how do I want to distribute my energy is it is it something like I want to start doing uh, things that are more athletic do I want to start doing retreats do I want to start a business man, how the hell does, do you get the flexibility? Like, you know, I'd, I'd sit back and listen to myself eight years, 10 years ago. And you said, yeah, you'll be in Medellin, Colombia. You're going to own a company. You're going to be doing this. this. I said, what drugs are you doing? And, and at that <laughs> point, 10 years ago, I might've said, Hey, give me them. Um, yeah, let me so, that. yeah. Hey, let, let me try some of those. Um, not today, not today, but like, uh, those days are long gone, but, um, yeah, I'm like, what drugs are you doing? Um, and, and, uh, you know, the, the reality of it is, 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 uh, that, that window, that opportunity opened itself, 
Um, and, and I had to walk through it and, and I walked through it fast. And there were, there were other things that came through with like leasing an apartment. And it's just like the opportunity was there. And I was like, let's go. Um, and I don't regret any of it. Um, and I've come to a certain place in life where I, I have regrets. Like clearly I have regrets, uh, but like, I don't, I don't, uh, rest on them. Right. Like, like bad choice, bad decision, probably could have made a more efficient choice. Who knows how it would have turned out, but I'd like, I've come to accept them. and It, it is what it is. Right. And I, I used to hate that saying, but it, it so easily summarizes things. Um, you know, the situation is what it is. Um, but you know, I, I think that, uh, I think that if you really want to do something, right, and you have the goal of doing it, then 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 start by understanding how much energy you're going to put into it, right? Am I going to be committed, right? Like if you put, at one point, I put probably 80% of my energy into something that uh, was not conducive to me mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, and it wasn't conducive to like being a better person in life, being a better son. It was, it was destruction. Right. And if I put that 80% into something else, then what could I really do? What can I really achieve? And so my point is, is like, if you want to travel, if you want to, uh, do triathlons, if you want to, uh, for instance, with your venture, uh, start start putting on retreats. If you want to um, do anything, how much energy are you going to delegate to it? Um, and what do you want out of the situation? Um, and when the opportunity presents itself, are you are you gonna are you gonna actually perform? Are you gonna actually do it right? Um, or are you gonna make another excuse? There's always gonna be a reason to not do something, and um, you know. Like I said, if, if you were going to look at my life, then I, I made no excuses. Like life isn't, isn't easy. It's, it's, uh, you're going to have challenges, but if you make excuses all the time, why you're not, why, why you don't do things, then nothing's going to change. Right. Um, I read a book that the obstacles away, um, years ago. And uh, the obstacle in the path becomes the path. Within every obstacle, there's an opportunity to improve your condition. And so if you don't look at things as opportunities uh, to improve your condition through good situations and bad situations, then, then you're probably going to live a boring life. And, and there's some people that like that, right? Some One, one man's life is, uh, is their life and one woman's life is their life. And they might find boring is, is comfort, right? Uh, but for me, it's it's uh, really about stepping outside my comfort zone, taking those windows of opportunities or when those doors open and walking through there, um, setting up systems, right? Processes, right? You'd say, well, like Tony, oh, well, I have a kid and, and I'm married and I can't do that. But it's also like, well, if everyone's healthy, if there are certain things uh, set up in your life, could you cut out of the country? Uh, do you have that desire? If it's something you really want to do, then then do it, right? Just just um, make a plan and work the plan and understand that things aren't going to go perfectly in the plan, but you have to walk through that. You have to walk through that door. Um, and I look at it no different is like 
It's a business plan for life, right? You're building the plane in the air. There's going to be times where, where you hit some turbulence, but um, if you really want to do it, then you just got to do it. I think that's a beautiful way to uh, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dirk, so much for taking some time and coming on with us. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, it's uh, <laughs> I don't want to sound whacked out, man, but it's it's a blessing. You know, I've I've uh, been through a lot in life, and, and I lo- I hope I go through a lot more. But uh, to think again that I'd be in Medellin, Colombia, ten years ago on a podcast with with Tim, meeting <laughs> you, Tony. Uh, you can't even make this up. And never, never, not even. <laughs> Stuff that's happening in my life, I can't even, like, that's the gratitude I have is, like, this is cool. You know, this is cool. Let's keep doing it, right? Let's keep pushing. Let's keep meeting people. Let's keep setting positive vibrations into the world. So um, thank you for having me. Um, thank you to anyone and everyone that that's that's listened to it. I'm sorry I talk a lot, but I got nothing but love and good vibes for everyone. Um, yeah, so I hope everyone makes it a great day. Thanks for having me. Fuck yeah, dude. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Never apologize for being you.